0: Thank you for joining us today for the Oakwood Baptist Church podcast. This episode was recorded at the Home Builder Sunday School class, which Pastor Jones teaches at Oakwood. The lessons are taken from the book, The Ministry of Marriage, by Jim Benny. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, we've been talking about this. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We've kind of been honing in on that expression, the rudiments of the world, Um, We want to be really careful about worldly thinking. Um, The ideas of the world, don't let this creep into you. And I'm telling you, it does to all of us. I mean, that's why God put this in the Bible and He said, beware. So if you're sitting here thinking, not me, uh, you are prime uh, suspect number one. Because what I mean by that is I think a lot of us, I mean, you're in Bible study here this morning, you're in Sunday school this morning, you got an open Bible on your, on your desk, on your lap. I mean, I, I, I realize that you guys think biblically, but, but I'm in the same boat with you. We live in this world, right? And we're told we're, we're in the world, but not of the world and that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, all of us from time to time... There's there's worldly thinking that just gets in there, and we have to. That's why we need to be in our Bibles every day. That's why we need to let the Holy Spirit minister to us, because we all uh, need to beware of the the thinking and the ideas that are prevalent in our world today. So we tried to talk about several um, uh, false concepts that that I think affect certainly the ideas of marriage. Remember, I tried to give to you the the. the verse Jeremiah 1 and 10 and says this, See, I have this day set over thee the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw out, to build and to plant. So what he's saying there is before you can build something and you can plant a garden, plant an orchard, you've got to get rid of the garbage first. And the same is true in our life. We have to tear down false thinking and then build proper thinking. I mean, that makes sense. So here's some of the things that we've already examined. We said the honeymoon will not last forever. That's a, that's a common myth that the honeymoon will last forever. Now, some of you might say, oh, wait a second, Pastor. I've been married 25 years and I'm just as much. I'm not saying you're not going to be in love. I'm just simply saying it's not always going to be beds of roses all the time, every time. I think we have to realize there are seasons. All right, number two myth, complicated problems have easy solutions. Again, I, I've tried to tell you, I, I've said this in, in, in helping people or trying to help people. I really sincerely wish that I had some kind of ma- magic pixie dust in my desk that I could just sprinkle on people and poof, your problems are gone. But that's not reality. And I, I think some of you are sitting here chuckling going, well, everybody knows that. Well, everybody knows that, but not everybody accepts that. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think we sometimes think, well, that's true, but that's true for other people. Because I've been in so many situations where somebody had a problem and they're kind of like, hey, fix her, fix him. And they think that one session is going to do that and it, it, it's not realistic. Um, number three, it's not my fault. That's a myth. Um, the expression, it takes two to tango, I think is very real. Again, I will admit that there are some situations where it's 100% on one person's plate and it's not the fault of the other party. I, I, I think that there are situations like that, but they're extremely rare. Okay, um, There's usually some culpability in, in both things. And we, we talked a lot. We, we unpacked that idea quite a bit of not blaming our past, not blaming our parents, and etc. So let's talk about this next myth. I think I introduced it and we didn't have time to really unpack it. And so let's unpack it today um, and maybe get to another myth as well. Uh, here's the myth. Love is all you need. All right. Love is all you need. That's a myth. Uh, I said to you last time we were together as I introduced this idea, I think this is the most popular myth that we encounter. I mean, there's even a song that says that love is all you need. All right. And, And that concept shows up a lot. And since it's the most popular, it's probably the most dangerous. Remember I said this? I thought this was a good statement. When the world comes to a consensus on any subject, it's cause for concern. All right, just you, you have to be be aware of that. So I'm suggesting that love may not be all its claimed to be when it comes to the enjoyment of marriage. Now, that statement that I just made ought to make you go, what? Like, I mean, aren't you supposed to love each other? Absolutely. I mean, the Bible says husbands love your wives. And then the Bible says aged women teach the younger women to love their husbands. The Bible even talks about how we're supposed to love our children and and be taught how to do that. Um, And I think it's interesting that the Bible emphasizes how much you need to be taught to do that. You think that should come natural to us. It should come natural to totally love your spouse. It should come natural to love your kids. That should just be natural. And in some ways it is. But in some ways we are so selfish and so self-centered that we need to be taught more how how to love. All right? So, So... Anyway, I'm, here's the statement again. I'm suggesting that love may not be all it's claimed to be when it comes to the enjoyment of marriage. Now, let me explain. I want to give you two key beliefs about love that fuel marital discontent. All right, Because we buy into this idea that all, all I need is to love. If I, if I love her and she loves me, if I love him and he loves me, that's all we need. As long as we got that. Well, let's, let's unpack that. Here's why that that idea has become such a thing in our culture is because we are saying here that love is a feeling. And where did that notion come from? I mean, i I, am paint this to you. Love is a feeling. Did that come from culture or did that come from the Bible? Yeah, that came from the culture. That didn't come from the Bible. Study the Bible. Uh, The Bible differentiates love from a feeling. Now listen, I'm not trying to take all emotion out of love. Please don't think I'm trying to do that. I don't want you to have a robotic relationship. You know, guys, don't go home and go, I love you with all my heart. You know, (laughs) like, again, I get it. We don't want to take complete emotion out of of marriage. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just simply saying this, that this is popular with culture because here's what romance does. Romance gives us a buzz. It gives us a euphoric high, a feeling. And in our culture, American culture, I can't speak from any other, but this is the culture we're in right now. The culture is the environment we find ourselves in. And this is the environment we find ourselves in. Our culture is constantly looking for a buzz. On, on a couple levels. I mean, like, have you ever wondered why this, this vaping thing is such a thing? Because I've wondered that, like, you are inhaling into your lungs, like we, we sometimes say this. Let, let's go out. And let's let's get some fresh air. You are inhaling in your lungs chemicals. I, I mean, like like it, it makes no sense. Like I, I've I've walked past somebody that just did that and breathed it out, and it smells like you know grape floor cleaner. <laughs> you just suck that into your lungs. Anybody ever been around somebody that was smoking for the very first time? As a kid, I, 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 was, I was around that. I was a mischievous kid. Now, I, 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 can, I can say I've never smoked, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. But I've watched somebody who snuck one of their dad's cigarettes and said, Hey, let's try this. All right, I'll watch you, dummy. And, and watch them light it. And they get it lit, and it's not easy. Like, you watched your grandpa light them. He knew how to do it in his sleep, but this guy's trying to get it lit and he's, he's dragging on it, you know. Some of you nodding your head, you know what I'm talking about. And then when they, when they puff that smoke in there, your lungs are screaming out saying, this doesn't belong here. And so what do they do? They're coughing and they're gagging and they're wheezing and I'm laughing. <laughs> well, how is it? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> right? And your body's telling you, don't do this. So have you ever wondered why do they do it? That buzz. It gives them a little buzz. Why are people wanting to drink alcohol? Alcohol doesn't enhance anybody's life. Ever. But it gives you a buzz. That's why my my, uh, thought about it is, well, you're not, the Bible says don't get drunk. Okay, well, when are you under its influence? I think as soon as you consume it, the first drink, you're under its influence. That's why my friend, when he offered me a beer, I remember when I was a teenager, uh, I was like in junior high. This guy snuck a beer, one of my buddies, out of his dad's fridge and, and, he, and he cracked it open. He said, you want some? I said, I said, uh, man, I, if, it, if it tastes how it smells, I, I, don't, I don't want that. And, and I remember him saying, well, you get used to it. And I, I remember telling him, I had enough sense as an eighth grader to say this. Well, I could get used to drinking water out of a toilet, <laughs> but I don't want to do that. Why, why would you why would you get used to it? Because it gives you a it gives you a feel. That's what we do when we uh, people are addicted to um, uh, gambling or pornography. It, it gives this this buzz. Hey, by the way, I was listening to a, a podcast. I know there's a there's a commercial on TV now li- making fun of the guy that always listens to the podcasts. But I, I do like my podcast. But I was listening to this one and it was talking about like like gambling. And you know that they, they do studies. I mean, these casinos pay people to do studies on how to get people to gamble. And they were talking about they, they did a study with pigeons and this pigeons would peck this button and like five pellets of food would come out. They'd peck it again. Nothing would come out. They'd peck it again and five pellets would come out and they'd peck it again. Nothing would come out. And then they started doing it where they would peck, 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 peck. peck and at random, like big amounts, like a slot machine. And the pigeons picked the slot machine style of thing every time, even though they got more pellets if they did the consistent one. The same thing was true with, with, with rats. Like they picked the gambling thing because there's something that goes on in our head that gives us this, this buzz that we've, we've got to have it. We know it's bad for us. Did you, and in this podcast, this guy was studying addictions and, and studying this, this cycle of our brain. I didn't realize this. He said that junk food companies hire people and pay people on how to get us addicted to junk food. And, and there's a science to it. Why? Because our brain is constantly searching for a, a buzz. So street drugs provide a buzz that a complete and balanced diet don't. Or, or, or let me, let me that, that seems maybe extreme, so let me go back to what I just said. Doritos <laughs> provide a buzz that broccoli doesn't okay C- come on so some of you i I'm not, I'm not down on your doritos but but how many of you are true like you're like sometimes you have to do personal restraint not to eat the whole bag okay bag. Do you, <laughs> what is small, what is big right um you, you know uh you, but but how many of you could eat a, uh, eat some broccoli for a while and you go, okay, I'm done <laughs> right i'm I'm just simply saying. The, the, you can't compete with that. But in time, uh, drug dependency will kill you. In time, eating junk food will, will catch up to you in a variety of ways. Right? We, we, we understand this. So observe the damage firsthand of what this pursuit of a buzz of an emotion in our marriage does. I mean, listen, there, there are men that have left ministry in pursuit of this kind of stuff, there are mothers who have totally abandoned their children. I have a family member who left her husband and her children in pursuit of another woman that she met online that lived in an entirely another country. Why would you do that? Buzz. I think there are Christians that leave God. Why? All for the elusive high of romance. And our culture is creating this dynamic in us. And for many of us, it's been created from a little little age. That's why I'm not trying to get sidetracked, but soon in our series, Think Biblically, Live Accordingly, one of the subjects I would like to tackle is, is the dating scene in America. Why? Because even among Christians, sometimes our kids are dating, if you will, in elementary school. Look, that's silly. I, mean, I remember when I was running a bus route, I had like a third, this girl was like in third grade. She got on the bus and I said, hey, sweetheart, how was your week? She said, it was terrible. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What, what happened? I broke up with my boyfriend. And she's like in third grade. I said, uh, oh, well, I'm sorry. I said, well, why'd you guys break up? She said, he was cheating on me. <laughs> she didn't even know what she's talking about. But how many of you are old like me and you remember when you got textbooks and you had to, you had to cover your textbooks and you did it with uh, grocery sacks? How many of you remember that? The brown grocery sacks? And you'd turn them inside out and you'd wrap your, wrap your books with them and then you'd write, you know, math on it so you knew which book it was from the outside. And throughout the course of the year, you'd start scribbling on that. And, I mean, it wasn't uncommon to me that I would see some girl at the beginning of the school year, and it was I, heart, and draw an arrow through the heart, I, heart, Johnny. And her and Johnny would be a thing for about a month or so, and then there would be a scratch through Johnny, and it would be Timmy. And, you know, by the end of the school year, it was Johnny, Timmy, Sammy, Bobby, Billy, you know I mean? It was all kinds of people. Why? It's, it's like we're conditioning ourselves. This guy or this girl makes me feel good. And when they stop making me feel good, then I find somebody else that makes me feel like I felt initially. And then, and then when they stop making me feel good, then I find somebody that makes me feel good. And we just bounce around uh, to this. I, I, I hope you're, you're tracking me today. It's a danger. It's a danger to all of us. All right, um, Number two, here's the key belief about love that fuels marital discontent. So if we think that love is a feeling, we're constantly looking for that feeling. And if this person doesn't provide the feeling, we find a person that does provide the feeling. Number two, love is the basis for marriage. So if love is a feeling and love is the basis for, for marriage, then it's a logical deduction that feelings are the basis for marriage. If that's the rudiments that we're going by. Um, I I think this has been an argument for same-sex marriage. You know, love wins. I mean, all you need is love. You see how that philosophy is kind of bearing itself out? I love them. Why why, why would you, you you fuddy-duddy Baptist preacher, why, why, why would you be against love? Well, listen, I think I've asked this question before. Is love always right? I don't think love is always right. I mean, if you understand the context of what I'm saying, right? I mean, what if I love drugs, you know, that, that would be bad, right? So, so again, I think people in same-sex marriage say, well, I love them, so I want to marry them. Uh, this means that when feelings disappear, dry, dry up, so does any commitment. And we see that, I, I think, even in, in Christian circles, that we want to bring that back to our world because I think that's why people divorce today is because of feelings. We've already talked about it. They divorce because romance has waned. I mean, that happens. Or maybe romance hasn't waned, but here's what's happened. Anger and hatred has displaced love. So, so I guess you could say really it's the opposite side of the same coin because generally it's both. Love has waned and anger has displaced. And so again, the whole motivation for this situation of divorce has, is, has been feelings. So I would say this. Again, this is a statement you have to think about a little bit. Maybe marriage is more a basis for love than love is a basis for marriage. Okay, I want to say that again. Maybe marriage is more a basis for love. I'm married to Mindy. Therefore, I love her. Instead of I love her, so I'm married to her. Do you you see the, the the reason I think that that's that's very key because the bible seems to teach us this study the bible study what it says in the old testament study the passages in the new testament the bible seems to teach this now that you are married now that you have made a commitment you need to learn how to love each other i got married when i was 21 i did not like most of you if not all of you i did not really understand marriage I did not. How many of you are with me? You've got, let's say, 15 plus years invested in your marriage. And you would say, when I first got married, didn't quite understand the whole game. How many of you are with me on that? Okay. I think it should be everybody, honestly. I was pretty self-centered. You know, I'm still pretty self-centered. I mean, we all are. I just learned how by the Spirit to work on those things. And God's changed me a lot. I think, I think my wife would tell you that. I think Mindy would, would, would tell you that. Um, but, but again, I made a commitment. I'm now married, and I had to learn how to love Mindy. I mean, I, I had to love that, or learn that. Now listen, I'm not... I know I took a dig about dating, and that was very brief. I, I want to speak, speak a whole sermon on that. Um, I'm not advocating for arranged marriages... I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying like we got, we got a lot of babies in the nursery right now. And that's awesome. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like, hey, let's go ahead and sign the deal right now. Um, you, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I will say this, that we learn from arranged marriages. Um, I, you, you know, uh, my favorite musical is, was Fiddler on the Roof. I really like it. And, and I hope I don't have to turn in my man card on, on the music thing. I, I, I like them. In fact, I went to AU last night. Uh, the Secret Garden was performed at AU. It was a Broadway musical. Uh, I thought it was just a play. Macy wanted to go, so I went, and it was a musical, and it was like very well done. Now, The Secret Garden was a little kind of um, sad. like it, was, so it wasn't a happy time, but it, it, was, it was done very, very well. Uh, but anyway, I like Fither on the Roof. Um, and if you remember, there's, there's a song, if, if you're not familiar, but if, if, if you are, you'll remember there's a song where um, the, the main character, his daughters, are getting married, and one of his daughters says, I don't want to just marry because you arranged a marriage, I want to marry out of love. I love the tailor. And uh, so the, the dad begins to think, well, does my wife love me? And so he's getting dressed for Sabbath. He's a Jewish man, he's getting dressed for Sabbath, and he asks his wife, do you love me? And she basically says, what kind of stupid question is that? And of course, like in, in musicals, they start conversing in song. You know, like you do on a regular basis, right? And that, what do you want for dinner? You know, like, you know, musicals are kind of weird, right? And so, so he's singing, do you love me? And they go into this, this conversation. And here's, here's part of the song. He says to her, my father and my mother said we would learn to love each other. Because he's, he's talking about, like, we didn't know each other. We met on our wedding day. That's what he says in this Jewish-Russian culture. And my father and my mother said we would learn to love each other. And so she asks the question, do I love him? And this is what she says. For 25 years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? <laughs> and she's basically saying, listen, it was not a feeling for us. It was a decision for us. And, and, and the conclusion of the end of the song is pretty sweet. If you know the, if you know the story, at the end, they, they, he, sa- he says again, well, I'm asking you, do you love me? And she says, well, I suppose I do. <laughs> and they, he reaches over and holds her hand, and they just sit there and hold hands like two, two old people. <laughs> and it's sweet. But the idea, again, is the Bible is teaching us that now that you're married, you've made a commitment. Now, listen. Learn to love each other. The Bible teaches that love is more of a spiritual gift than it's an emotional byproduct. Somebody give me a proof text for what I just said. I just said the Bible teaches that love is more of a spiritual gift than it is an emotional byproduct. Galatians 5. 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So the Holy Spirit working in us, producing something through us, The first thing on the list is love, and it's not an emotion. It's a result of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Again, I'm not trying to suck all of the emotion out of your romance. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get us to think biblically. All right? Now, I thought we would dip down into the next myth, but just too long-winded today. Uh, But uh, I think I'll stop. I've got three minutes, so congratulations. Here's the next myth we're going to study next, next Sunday together. Here's a myth. I married the wrong person. All right, now I want to talk about that myth because that's a myth. And a lot of people buy into that myth. I married the wrong person. That's a common complaint. I want to talk about where does that originate from? What are the dangerous conclusions to that kind of thought? And how do we solve that? Okay.